0: Hey there, this is Story Story Late Night, the positively shameless black sheep of our Story Story Night family, where you hear bleep-worthy stories on our unblushing theme, a holiday not to be remembered. This is Total Recall, the entire show recorded live, exploring holiday stories that don't get talked about. We need your support. Text the code STORYPOD to 44321. We are back at the Visual Arts Collective in the Searle-Mitchell create District of Garden City, Idaho. I'm Artistic Director Jody Eichelberger. Now, we put it in reverse on Memory Lane with our host Beth Norton and our featured storytellers Reese Samuels and Mitch Kuhn. Intermixed with a community story slam. Remember this, it's late night stories.
1: So this is our sixth and final installment of Story Story Late Night um, in 2022. And I just wanna give a really sincere thank you to our board of directors who approved this abnormal extension um, and into this holiday season. So if we could give them a big round of applause. I think Allison is in the house tonight. I I saw Terry. Thank you so much. And I really wanna just also give a special thank you to Jody Eichelberger who is doing so much and has been supporting this show while doing Flagship, while doing Cabaret. So thank you, Jody. Thank you for your support. This has been just an amazing run and it's been a joy. So thank you. Um, I'm gonna put this down. (laughs) Hi. Okay. I've been hosting these shows. I've hosted the last three shows and I've learned some things. Um, Like after last show, when Pat Haas called me out, um, (laughs) I learned that I should introduce myself. Hi, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, my name is Beth Norton (laughs) and thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I've, I, uh, clap if you, well, I, should I say more? I'm a storyteller, I've been hosting these shows and curating these shows uh, this summer. I'm a comedian and, um, and I have two cats, okay. That's all you need to know. Um, clap if, if this is your first time to Story Story Night. Whoa, okay, awesome, all right. Clap if uh, this is like your second show of the season of the season. Clap if, this is your 10th show of the season. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding, that would be impossible. I was gonna see if I could catch anybody in lie. <laughs> uh, I do wanna know, is there anybody here that has been to like every Story Story Night show possible that they could? Every Story Story Late Night? Anybody? <laughs> Our photographer. <laughs> yeah! You got to pay them, but they'll, they'll stick with you. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, great. I'm so glad to have so many new people here. Um, the way that this show works is we have um, some featured storytellers, some people that have been working on their stories for weeks, um, their live personal stories on the theme. Um, Their stories will be a little bit longer. Um, They've been um, just, yeah, working really hard and crafting them. Um, And those are intermixed with our story slam portion. So uh, that's five minutes, spontaneous stories told live on the theme. Um, If anybody can submit to that, you can submit to that while you're here. Um, You'll just go and visit our slammer booth and see Thane and Natalia and put your ticket in the little red, the adorable little red stocking that I stole from my last job. and then you can have a chance to come up here and tell your story. And we have a special surprise tonight. If you come up and tell your story, not only will you get the either pleasure or pure humiliation of being up here, um, you will also get uh, one of these fine Christmas presents that you see to your left. And I want you to know, I'm not doing this because we have trouble getting slammers, okay? That's not why I'm doing this. I just got in the spirit at grocery outlets, so. <laughs> <laughs> Little bonus tonight. We're just gonna just lighten up with some presents. Um, I, let's see, I chose this theme um, holiday not to be remembered um, because this time can be difficult for people. I know it's always been a, a difficult time for me. Um, And our show format tonight is actually gonna be a little bit different. Normally we have three featured storytellers. Tonight we have two featured storytellers. And that is because one of our featured storytellers is also a good friend, lost someone in their family um, this week to suicide. And that person was um, also a really big support of the comedy community and had touched me personally with their generosity. So, if we could just take a minute to just a moment to honor that, um, their their love and support will be greatly missed. So I just wanted to recognize that. Um, when my friend told me about it and that they wouldn't be able to make it here, um, they said they said, "My story's changed." And our story changed as well in that moment and When you lose somebody that you care about, and especially to suicide, it just leaves this hole and you can try to fill it, um, but that doesn't typically work. And so tonight, we're not gonna try to fill that hole, except we kind of are, that's what the presents are for. And it's fitting. (laughs) Um, um, What do we do when we're sad? I like to go to grocery outlets. So So that's where that's that's coming from. You get my my grief grocery buys over here, what we'll call them. Um, I am going to tell a story now. Um, uh, Um, yeah, it's, it's the darkest time of the year. And so in our culture, we don't get typically like a lot of opportunities to embrace that darkness and especially not, not really together in kind of a community like this. And so tonight, this is just a message for all of our stories, but for you as a slammer as well, like if there's a story that you want to tell and it's a hard story, um, tell it. Um, I'm here for it. We have uh, the lovely singing voices of the Grand Jeans that will pull us back, I'm sure. And we have the presence and the lights and all of these things. So um, I think we're like, we're well-stocked and supported. I feel like I'm just saying that because now I'm gonna tell you a vulnerable story. (laughs) and I'm trying to like rationalize it um, the holidays were, the holidays of just, before I could remember, always been a difficult time, and I chose this theme because I actually honestly don't, I didn't know I was going to be hosting, and I also, like, I don't remember any holidays. They're just, um, I don't really remember any from childhood. I don't really, none of them stick with me as an adult. They always kind of, um, I always try really hard, but they always end up um, to be sad or terrible in some way. And last year, I really noticed not just that, not just like the typical seasonal stuff or like the loneliness or, or anything like that, but last year, I really noticed a deeper pattern with myself. And it came at the end of a um, another intimate relationship. And it was... Um, a pattern that just came in kind of the form of a mantra. And I noticed it at the end of last year, and then this year as the season grew closer, I noticed it with increasing intensity. And that mantra was just, every November, it feels like my world is about to fall apart. And that was something I think that I had experienced, but then later in life continued to put in motion with my actions, and in preparation for this November, I quit drinking October 1st um, and committed throughout uh, December, and I abstained from any close intimate relationships. I um, kind of just, I I got a job, (laughs) Um, did kind of whatever I could um, to support myself through this time. Um, I grew up kind of in a shadow of a story. I grew up knowing that my mother had left at three and that before that I had experienced some, some sustained prolonged abuse at the hands of my mother's boyfriend and that when she left me, she went back to him and she stayed with him for 25 years. But I never knew what happened, I didn't remember it. All I had were stories from family members whose memories were, you know, not always trustworthy. Um, I, didn't, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know what had happened. Um, and I also really struggled to attach in intimate relationships, even though I would have partners who I knew were trustworthy. I, um, there was just something in me that couldn't feel secure. Intimacy and intimate relationships existed on the edge of a knife, and on the other end of that was betrayal and terror. And about five years ago, I started working with a trauma therapist, a child child specialist, childhood trauma, childhood trauma specialist. I'm gonna get into the acronyms now. <laughs> I'll avoid those. I'll just do one. We started doing EMDR, which I'm not gonna explain. It's really confusing. If you've ever done it, you'll know. Um, um, but at the request of my therapist, um, one of the things that can help somebody who's experienced that kind of early childhood trauma is to be able to create what's called a coherent narrative of their life. So really the ability to tell one story in a coherent way can help you integrate your experiences and then be able to form trusting relationships with that kind of sense of self. So my therapist had the brilliant idea of when I was trying to form this coherent narrative of uh, getting a copy of my court records. So I flew back to the state of which I had been a ward um, for 14 years. And I walked down these giant government halls um, and picked up my records, which were a stack like this that was divided into four volumes. And I can only imagine the um, office workers, like, reaction when they got that records request um, now, but, I brought those documents back and gave them to my therapist. She's told me not to look, and I only looked, only peeked a little bit. Um, but she read them first, and then we worked through them together. And in the documents was concrete, hard evidence. There was exams and interviews and my own words, and there were uh, court dates and documents and certified letter things. And there were also... Um, there were also supporting documents, which I found to be the most interesting. And one of them was a letter from a friend of the family who was also a child. She was probably 10 years older than me at the time, so she was in her, you know, her early teens. And it was an it was a school essay. And um, in her very neat handwriting and three succinct paragraphs, dated January 12th, 1989, the topic was. How I Made the Holidays More Meaningful for Someone Else. And she wrote about, I have the letter and I kind of want to read it, is that okay? Okay. This is me bringing the story out of the shadow, by the way, if you haven't picked up on that. (laughs) Um, How I Made the Holidays More Meaningful for Someone Else. We have a very close friend and neighbor whose niece, Beth Norton, came to visit over the holidays temporarily. She's a two-year-old child with a lot of problems. I was three, but <laughs> I remember Beth as a chubby, okay. <laughs> Playful, active child. She had been smiley and cheerful all the time. I hadn't seen her for nearly six months when she had gone away with her mother, next paragraph. Although I've known Beth since she was a baby, when I saw her at Christmas, I could hardly recognize her. She had gone through abuse and neglect the months that she had been away with her mother. Her bright and cheery face was sad and withdrawn. She could hardly walk and spoke rarely. Beth's brave and happy character had changed to a hopeless, scared one. I wondered if she would ever be the same. When Beth came back to the safe home of her aunt, she had to leave all of her belongings behind. I knew her Christmas would be a dismal one. Very few presents under the tree would be hers. My family and I wanted to make Christmas as as pleasurable as possible for Beth. She was in drastic need of clothes and toys. We searched through our closets and our drawers until we had two huge bags full of clothing for her. Whenever we found things not in need for us, it went to Beth. For Christmas, we bought her two nice gifts And now I feel her Christmas was all right, not as bad as I had thought. I felt good after Christmas to see her smile again and feel I might have had something to do with it. This is valuable beyond belief to me because not only does it provide like a record, but it gives me a before, like what I was like before and um, I'm happy to be here, like, this is the fucking most bravest thing you could ever do, so I think I got that back, and, um, and I'm happy a lot of times, although you might not believe it right now, um, but it's been such a long journey, and um, I, Story Story has been just a part of me being able to put the pieces together and be able to show it, so thank you for being here and thank you for listening. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> well, that's my story. I think I can, we can only go down from here. So <laughs> let's keep it going. I want someone to top, if someone could top child abuse, please bring it. <laughs> I dare I dare you, I dare you. Somebody's raising their hand over there. I was like, I got one. Uh. Um, can I have the slammer stocking? Are we ready for our first slammer? Uh join me in welcoming Amanda? Mandy. Mandy. As a reminder Mandy, you have 5 minutes, okay? Around 4:30 I'm going to start creeping closer to you, all right? Oh yeah.
2: Oh yeah, you've done this. No way, I haven't. Oh, you have. not okay. Long time listener. <laughs> So the first year as a single mom that I thought I would be super responsible, not uh, wait till the last minute to get all my Christmas presents ready at the last moment, then wrap all night being drunk, I was so well prepared, and I had everything wrapped, everything ready to go, hidden in the closet, was time to go to Christmas Eve church, and I asked my son to go get something out of my daughter's bedroom. And he came in, threw it at me, went to his room and slammed the door. And I was like, what is going on? I'm like, Keter, we have to go. You're a liar. I hate you, you're a liar. The next thing you're gonna tell me is the Easter Bunny isn't real. And I was like, oh shit, how did you find this? And so I convinced him to get in the car. We go to church, he will not sit beside me. He will not talk to me through church. We get over to where we're supposed to go for a Christmas Eve dinner at my sister's house. We get there. There's not enough food for us. So I'm like, Peter, how about you and I go to the store? We'll get something to eat. We'll leave your sister here, and we can talk about what happened. So we have a big, long conversation about the importance of believing in the house and how exciting it is and magical and fun. And now we have your little sister, and we need to believe. So we kind of calm down. We go home, and in the meantime, I had taken on a dog, which is a bad idea with two kids and being a single mother. And they go to bed. I get all the presents out, put all the stockings out. We get up the next morning. We're having a lovely morning. We go open everything, and Keter says to me, Mom, did Santa not leave any stockings this year? And I was like, well, yeah, he left stockings. The fucking dog ate all three of them, and everything in them. So there was no stockings. So then we head to my mom's where we're going to have brunch and we show up, everyone's having a great time. Well, lo and behold, my brother shows up that nobody has spoken to in over a year with his wife, stepdaughter, nobody has any presents for him or their family because the prior year he said that we were all fucking dead to him, don't contact him. So we're all just, holy shit. Well, his wife sits there, says nothing to anybody the entire time except for as my daughter is running down the hallway all happy and having a good time. So is Maisie just like super bull or does she have a shitty diaper on? Where I proceed to say, Merry Christmas, everybody. See you later. So we leave, go home, give Maisie a nap. We're headed to Emmett to go to Christmas dinner go to, I'm heading into Emmett and I get a phone call saying, where are you? And I'm like, isn't dinner at 2.30? It's 2.15. Well, everybody's ready to eat. So we get there, get settled. We're eating as my cousin's husband proceeds to introduce himself for the third time, even though I was at their wedding, that was very small. (laughs) Nice to meet you again. And then all the little kids get their presents and my stepmom proceeds to argue with me about a box for my daughter that needs to go home with us. I say, I do not need the box. She follows my son out to the car, makes him put the box in the car. I load my kids up, we go home. I unplug the Christmas tree, grab it, ornaments, lights and all, throw it out the front door, turn around, Christmas is fucking over, kids. What games do you want to (laughs) play?
1: Christmas is fucking over, what games do you want to play? I can't wait to say that. <laughs> Thank you for giving us that, Mandy. That was great. Can I get the slammer sucking up here? We're going to do one more slammer before our first featured storyteller tonight. Oh, thanks Holly. Wait, Mandy, come back up here. I missed a couple things. First, you do have to sign a waiver. And <laughs> I should have mentioned that before. will do that later. But before that, <laughs> um, you get first pick of the presents. What's it going to be, Mandy? Is it going to be a bag? Is it going to be a box? Ooh, she's got a box. Yeah, you're gonna have to unwrap it in front of 110 people now. (laughs) We're gonna watch your reactions. And you better like it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's tabletop air hockey! Christmas is over! She's got games, that was appropriate. That was very that was very fitting. Wow, the synergy is insane right now. Oh, I can't read this. There's two names. It looks like it starts with an S. It looks like Saw Matthew. Jim? Jaw. Matt. Is it Sam
3: Matisse?
1: Oh, maybe it's Sam Matisse.
3: Whoa. Sam. Yeah. What it is. How's your handwriting, Sam? Oh.
1: Does it look like that? You're saving the show, Holly. <laughs> I swear the slammers are not planned. Come on up, Sam. You got five minutes to tell your story. I should-
4: Okay, we'll see if we can get through this. Uh, How did you do that? <laughs> I come from a large family. I'm uh, half Polish and half Russian, and we have an enormous amount of traditions and culture in my family. Uh, I'm a Nam vet, and uh, I spent three Christmases in Vietnam. And uh, the second one was harder than the first the first and the third one was harder than the second. And when you're over there, there isn't any Christmas. I mean, yeah. You bullshit, and you drink, and you try to forget. Uh, I never took, uh, I never went ashore. I never went into on the beach during Christmas because I would take somebody else's somebody else's uh, watch, and I would I would sit. Sorry, and I would sit there, and I'd listen to uh, Armed Forces Radio and they would be playing Christmas carols. And damn, I'd cry like a baby because I would be thinking, I'm one of six kids, and in my household, I we had six kids. My parents and my Polish grandparents lived with us also. And so, you know, I would sit there and listen to those Christmas carols and think of all that my family was doing and all the traditions that they were celebrating. And it was pretty hard. And consequently, I wasn't the only one, because there was a whole bunch of other guys going through the same crap that I was going through. But anyway, those are the three Christmases I damn sure like to forget. Merry Christmas to all. Thank you.
1: Sam, it's present time. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for sharing. Can you auction it off? For whose benefit? And how much do you think they're really? You know I got these at grocery outlet. For story story benefit? Maybe, let's talk about it after the show. You know what, you're you bringing up a good thing though, Sam. We do have a donor match thing going on right now, so let's talk. Let's talk a little bit more, okay? Sam wants to auction off his present. Aww. Do we have to, okay, well we're gonna have to keep this snappy because we have to be out, it's a hard 10 tonight, so I don't know if I can get, and I haven't practiced my auctioneer voice in a long time. Okay, all right, all right. Let's let's start with picking your present and then maybe you won't want to auction it off. Which one do you want, Pat? You spent three Christmases in Nom. You take whatever goddamn present you want. Yeah, you take that snowman. (laughs) Wait, you gotta open it. (laughs) Okay, you're gonna auction it before we know what's in it. That's even better. I got 20 bucks already. Get Twenty out
5: of bucks. The way. So- <laughs> okay, I got a 20 buck bid. $20, maybe $40, I'm say $25. $20, but I've got $25. What do you say? $30. Give me $30. Give me $30. I got $30. Make me $35. $35. Give me $40. $40. Give me $45. I got $40. About $50. Somebody give me $50. I got $50. But 55. What do you say? $55. I got $50. What do you say? $55. We're all through at $55. We're all through at $50. $55. I got $55. What do you say? $60. Come on, give me 60 Come on, give me 60 I got 55 right here. You're going to to let them have it. I got 60 in the back give me 65 one time 65 what? I didn't see him I can't see oh I got 60 up 65 back there what do you say 70 we all threw it 65 give me 70 give me 70 give me say I got 70 75 somebody give me a 75 I got 70 dollars give me 75 we all threw it 70 dollars I got 75 right there. 75, only be 80. What do you say, 80? What do you say, 80? I got 75, give me 80. We all to it 75. We all to it 75. 75 going once. 75 going twice. So, $75. <laughs>
1: You didn't just earn $75 for story night, you earned twice that, which is $150. Because we're doing a donor match tonight.
5: I don't know what's in it, but I hope it's good. And and if it's not, then blame Beth. She's the one who bought it. It's really
1: good, it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. A hundred and twenty five dollars is the value.
6: <laughs>
1: you know it's good. So, oh shoot.
5: It's, it's exactly what I wanted.
1: <laughs> <It's>,
6: <laughs>
1: yeah. Lot of uses for making soda, lot of uses. You can clean your sinks and basins with it. You can irrigate your sinuses and tenderize meat, so. Wow. Wow, we are feeling so good. This is great. Let's keep doing this. Uh, thank you so much, Sam. Oh, that, was, that really got my juices going. I want to go, go hit the casino. Who wants to drive down a jackpot after this? Feeling lucky. <laughs> uh, you guys are great. Um, all right, um, I, I am so excited to bring up your first featured storyteller of the night. Um, she is uh, no stranger to the story, story Night stage. She hosted Story Story Late Night last year during our Wall series over at the Old Woman's Ward of the Penitentiary. Um, she's a good friend and great comedian. Please join me in welcoming Reese Samuels.
7: Hello, good evening you guys, so holidays not to remember, I guess I do have to start with a little bit of backstory here. My family, we've always had difficult holidays, the first one starting off when I was just two years old, I had an allergic reaction to a measles, mumps, and rubella shot. I had a fever of 107 for eight hours. I had a stroke on the right-hand side of my brain, and then several febrile seizures caused by the fever. Eventually, my young two-year-old heart could not take the seizing, and it eventually stopped. Luckily, the doctors were able to revive me back. I'm still here in front of you today. (laughs) But their outlook was not very good for me. They told my mother that I would have no cognitive skills, no motor skills, and because they were 90s doctors with poor bedside manner, they literally told my mother that she would have a vegetable for a child. So eventually when I did regain consciousness and I saw my grandfather sitting in the corner of the room and said clear as a day, Papa, you could imagine how very relieved my mother was. Unfortunately, that was a false hope because I continued to have unexplained seizures after that. To which brings me to a couple of years later, uh, my mother's husband, my biological father, he, he didn't take it too well. And we're not sure if it was from just everyday life, from having a child with many medical problems, the job. Either way, he eventually took to the bottle and started drinking heavily which eventually led to physical abuse, not only towards my mother, my older sister, but myself. One of my earliest childhood memories was me being knocked into a side of a wall and eventually lifting my head up to see my mother and sister screaming, but having no sound come to my ears. It did not take long for my mom to leave him. More years had passed. Uh, My mother was a single mom until I was about Almost eight years old, and that, that was a very difficult job for her. We, we didn't have a parent, we had a provider, and that's all we could ask from her. And then my mother met him. <sighs> Excuse me. <clears throat> okay. His name is Jeffrey. And when my mom introduced us to Jeffrey, I said, No, that is my dad. I knew instinctually that this man was my dad. And you know, after a couple of weeks, he he was best, he was strong, he would play with us constantly, he was our parent that we were missing. He was spending time with us, providing for us. And he also truly understood us as kids because he had also suffered from physical abuse from his father. So he loved us with every amount of his being. Three weeks after knowing one another, they got married. It was very short. (laughs) And soon, we were living in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. At the time, we PCS'd Germany. In case you all don't know what PCS means, that just means the military uplifts you and moves you overseas. (laughs) We moved to Germany and it was glorious. The winters in Germany, we thought we were getting the best holidays of our lives. We lived in a small mountain town It was beautiful in all the football fields or just abandoned fields around other cities. They would erect tents and like have fests. Beautiful fluffy snow with children all around throwing snowballs, building snow forts. Meanwhile, our parents were drinking beer in the tents and we sipped our non-alcoholic spiced wine. Even though the Germans sometimes slipped us beer, it's okay. But it wasn't all fun because Unfortunately for me, once we did move, my seizures had worsened. We went to several different medical facilities across several different bases in the country of Germany, and we were always met with the same answers. It's not epilepsy. We don't know what's going on. Her blood work is fine. Are you sure she's having seizures? And then they would send us on our way with a brand new medication to try and it would ultimately fail, I still continued to have seizures. Now, a little thing about my seizures, they had become so harsh to where the doctors had warned my parents that if I had started to seize for more than 10 minutes, that they need to immediately get me to a hospital because my heart was too weak and it would stop. It was Christmas Eve and I was 10 years old. And I remember looking to my parents and letting them know I just wanted to go lay down and take a nap. So I did that, thinking I was gonna walk into sweet dreams and I was poorly mistaken. I walked into what was unfortunately a night terror. And it was a night terror of my biological father chasing me from room to room and I was terrified. And he eventually grabbed my arm and I remember that because I had opened my eyes and I woke up. But I was unable to move. I was unable to yell for help because I was in the middle of a cognitive seizure. Now cognitive seizure means you know what's going on but you cannot do anything. I can't tell you how long I was seizing until my sister eventually came into the room and saw what was happening. And she yelled for my parents. And they sat and they waited for a little bit and eventually I was forming words. And those words just were over and over. I'm scared, I'm scared. I'm scared. Eventually my mom did ask me. She's like, what are you afraid of? What are you scared of? And me, I had no idea what I was saying. I had no idea I was saying I was scared. But eventually the word dad came out. At this point, we had already been calling Jeffrey dad for about a year. My dad left the room when I gained full consciousness and came through. The look on my mother's face was almost disappointment, as she said, do you realize what you just said to your dad? You said, I am scared, as you came came to. I'm scared of dad. And immediately, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm scared of our biological father. That's what I meant, so eventually, I went out into uh, the living room where my father's desk was at, right next to our Christmas tree. It was a beautiful theme that year. Blue and white, huge yellow bulbs. The Germans love Christmas. They have the best ornaments. (laughs) But I saw my dad, his back was to me, and the only thing I could see was his shoulders racking from sobs. Which hurt me. I eventually was able to walk over to him. I got down on my knees in front of him and I asked him to look at me and I told him, I hope you know, excuse me, I hope you know that I know that you will never hurt me. And at that point, we embraced each other and cried, repeating the words, He would say, I love you, I will never hurt you. And I just kept saying, I love you. I never meant to hurt you. Luckily to this day, thanks to CBD, I have not had a seizure in about six years. So that's beautiful. And thank you. (laughs) And uh, I will say this, my dad and I are still quite close. And uh, you know, any person can father a child It takes a special kind of person to be a dad. Thanks, you guys. Wait, wait,
1: Reese. Reese, you get a present, too. Yeah. You get a present, too. You don't have to auction yours off. Think about it. Think there's, go around, check it out. Don't, you know, you want to (laughs) really... Okay, cool. And don't forget to sign a release, okay? (laughs) What is it? What is it? A sink and drain drain plunger! (laughs) You can have your dad come over and plunge your sink sometimes if you wanted. Sounds like something a dad would do. These posters are all here for the taking as well. So if, if anybody wants a poster, anybody who slammed or the, 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 the people want posters, you can take, take one of those. Um, this is our time when we have our intermission. So don't steal the presents. Um, But like I said, there are plenty of posters. Please take them. Um, We're going to do a short intermission. Like I said, we have a donor match going on right now up to $5,000. This is specifically so late night can continue. So if you're interested in that, that, there are very detailed directions which are in my notebook. And I will tell them to you later. (laughs) Wait, wait, I think I remember. It's texting SSN, story story night, or social security number, 2022 to 44321. I did it, I remembered. Yeah, 44321, four, cool. Um, and while we do intermission, um, feel free to roam around, check out the art on the walls. This is an artist named Julie Pagan, I think. Did I get it right? Pagan, yeah, Julie Pagan. Um, so take that in, grab a drink at the bar, put your name in the slammer hat, enjoy the music from the Grand Jeans, and we'll see you back in a little bit. Check, check, check. Yeah! Yeah. (laughs) You guys didn't even notice I was standing up here. You guys just came here to converse. Everybody's telling their own stories. It's lively in here. Um, Welcome back to the second half. Get cozy. Um, I wanna give some extra time and spotlight to our band now. They have prepared a special song on theme. Um, this is also time, if you guys have a story about the forming of your band or if you want to say anything about about oh. who you are and. Oh my goodness. I mean, I know you're Jean and. I am Jean. These are the grand Jean's no, and.
3: No we're the grand. No relation. They're the <laughs>
1: grands, oh, The Grand. Geez, clearly the grand, grandparents of Jean. <laughs> we're very proud. All right, enough said. <laughs> now you have the whole story. <laughs> I'm putting them on the spot. Um yeah, take it away.
3: This is a Dar Williams song. This is called The Christians and the Pagans. All right. like solstice and we miss you and And the meal had gone without a hitch Till Timmy turned to Amber and said Is it true that you're a witch? His mom jumped up and said The pies are burning and she hit the kitchen It was Jane who spoke, she said It's true your cousin's not a Christian But we love trees, we love the snow The friends we have, the world we share and you find magic from your God, and we find magic everywhere.
1: The Christians
3: and the pagans. Amber's uncle saw How Amber looked like Tim And like her father He thought about his brother How they hadn't spoken In a year He thought he'd call him up and say It's Christmas and your daughter's here He thought A father's sons and brothers Saw his own son Tug his sleeve saying Can I be a pagan? Dad said we'll discuss it when they leave So the Christians and and sat together at the table Finding faith and common ground The best that they were able Lighting trees in darkness Learning new ways from the old Making sense of history And drawing warmth out of the cold
1: Thank you. Um, I've only ever like sung really on a microphone outside of karaoke once for like a song that I like some people and I wrote and we had to play it was for comedy and it was just like a to a ukulele and it's so freaking hard so <laughs> thank you guys like you guys are a new band and you like learn that song and I think that was amazing so thank you so much.
3: Also I heard your song and it was amazing. Oh yeah you heard that show.
1: <laughs> that was fun. It was about abortion. Okay. <laughs> it, was Amer- it was a parody of American Pie. <laughs> um, fun times. Um, all right, let's, are you guys ready to get back into stories? Yeah. Awesome. Can, if I can have the slammer stocking, <laughs> then I would love to choose your next story slammer. <laughs> Dane. Danny, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. All right, Dane. Remember you got five minutes on the theme. When your time is nearing an end, I'm gonna creep closer to you, okay? I will hook kind of with my eyes.
8: Uh, this is genuinely a story that I completely forgot about and blotted out of my mind for 13 years. Christmas of 2009, I accidentally threw a drug party. Um, I was a sweet little Mormon kid, uh, wanted to go and experience the big city of New York. Uh, moved out there, did a year, and um, it was my first year away from family. And uh, so I, I talked to some co workers and I said, hey, you know, anyone who is, uh, doesn't have anywhere to go for this Christmas, uh, you're welcome to come over to my house. I'll just prepare like a little brunch and then you guys are welcome to bring whatever else you want. And whatever else you want means something completely different in New York City than it does in Boise, Idaho. Um, So um, I welcomed the first guests into my house, uh, showed them some cinnamon rolls and some uh, orange juice and uh, they pulled out uh, other accoutrements. Um, An assortment of drugs was laid out on my table Uh, which were then consumed with my wonderful cinnamon rolls. Now I know that this was 2009 because there was a very special thing happening that Christmas and it was the Avatar movie came out. And all I wanted to do was see Avatar and turns out that's exactly what some stoned and high people also want to do is go and see (laughs) blue monkeys in 3D. But of course, that was the hottest ticket in theaters that year. So I started calling around, sold out, sold out, sold out. Then my girlfriend, a black girl from Harlem says, Dane, you're doing it wrong. We're going to the Magic Johnson Theater up on 125th Street, because my people don't watch (laughs) sci-fi. We get to the cinema and it's packed, except for Avatar. We were the only people in the row, And I enjoyed it. The only people who enjoyed it more than me were the stoned out of their minds people that I had to shuttle around and get back home afterwards. And I indeed had blotted this out of my mind until this year, I'm sitting in a movie theater when what comes on the screen is a preview, but James Cameron welcoming me back to Pandora. And I will definitely see it sober. Thank you very much.
1: Wow! Wow, you had your eye on that one, didn't you? Went straight on over to it. <laughs> yeah, you like that wrapping? Absolutely. Is that nice and hard to get into? Yep. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's steel wool. Steel wool. Steel, wool. <laughs> steel wool. You're welcome. Another. Don't forget to sign our waiver, Dane. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, now that the steel wool has gone, only good presents are left, you guys. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> um, that was fun. You guys aren't taking the posters. You gotta take the posters, too. Those posters better be gone by the end of the night. To different people, please. Um, okay. Um... We have your second featured storyteller of the evening, um, who I um, have known through the grapevine for a while, um, through his wife who is a beloved storyteller here um, and has been on our stage many times, Um, but this is his first time to the Story Story Night stage and he's featuring, which is awesome. Um, Please join me in welcoming Mitch.
9: So there was a time about 10 years ago when everyone in my family saw the same therapist, except for me. Um, This was shortly after my older brother died. Um, His name was Kevin, and he was 25 when he took his own life. Kevin loved The Hobbit, he loved The Lord of the Rings, he was great with animals, especially reptiles, and he had an iguana named Smeagol. When he would buy something with his own money, he would say, I'm pleased with my purchase. (laughs) Uh, Our relationship was complicated. I was always better at school than he was. I was taller than he was, even though he was almost four years younger than me. And uh, he just wasn't very nice to me. But I always imagined that someday we would grow up and be like siblings in the movies, and we'd go home for Christmas at mom and dad's house and we would sit around some island once our kids fell asleep and my parents went to bed and we would apologize together for all kinds of weird shit we put each other through and then we'd forgive each other and we would stay up late and drink scotch and shoot the shit. But we never got to do that. And so now my parents were dealing with losing their son Uh, And gaining custody of his two year old son. And my sister and I were dealing with losing our brother. I lived in Eugene, Oregon at this time, and I had absolutely no plans to return to beautiful Eagle, Idaho. Um, But I suddenly found myself with this new appreciation for family, specifically my family. I wanted to be close to them, I wanted to be a cool uncle. I wanted to spend time with my parents, and especially Madeline, my little sister. So I moved back. And uh, Madeline and I got an apartment together, which was great, a lot of fun. Um, We babysat my nephew a lot, and we had Sunday dinners with my folks. And during this time, we were all still, this was about a year after my brother died, and we were all still um, pretty deeply grieving, and my parents understandably made some questionable choices, and uh, the first one that comes to mind is uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was approaching. Um, Thanksgiving was Kevin's favorite holiday. He would wake up in the morning, and he wouldn't eat until dinner, and we weren't like a two o'clock dinner family. We were a five o'clock dinner family, Uh, and he was the only one of us that did this, and he, he, would never, he couldn't understand why the rest of us ate. Uh, he was also a lot skinnier than I was. <laughs> so this Thanksgiving was going to be the first one since childhood where we all lived in the same place. And uh, the, a few days before I talked to my mom to make the whole plan about who's making what, um, make sure she was making sourdough stuffing, which is one of my favorite things. And she casually mentioned that their therapist would be coming to Thanksgiving. I was surprised as well. Um, I'm pretty sure that it is not normal to invite your therapist to Thanksgiving. I'm even more sure it's not normal for your therapist to accept that invitation. But they did and she did and uh, I questioned it but this was already happening. So um, I I, I had been really excited for for the day, but that quickly turned into nervousness and uh, some serious dread. I didn't feel like I would be able to be myself or really be comfortable with this person who, in my mind, knew more about me than anybody that I've ever met, even though I I had never met the woman. Um, The morning came, Madeline and I drove over to my parents' house, and we started drinking mimosas, Um, we ate all the various pickled items that my mom had set out, Uh, and those little um, quiche, or quiches, I'm not sure, from Costco. Um, Well, I made a slew of passive aggressive comments about how bizarre it was that they were all okay having their therapist at Thanksgiving. And then she arrived, and I immediately understood why my family trusted her. She was very nice. She was very easy to talk to. Um, I, I really shouldn't have been surprised, considering her occupation, but I hadn't thought I thought that far in advance. And as the the evening progressed, and um, you know, I had started with mimosas in the morning, and I was drinking throughout the day, um, as as we do on Thanksgiving. Um, I, I gained some liquid courage, and I decided to address some of my concerns with her head on. And I said, hey, isn't it weird that you're here <laughs> to Thanksgiving? And also, isn't it weird that you probably know a ton about me, even though we just met today? And she kind of chuckled. <laughs> Uh, and I, I'm not sure how much liquid courage she had at that point. She was, I think, probably nursing something. And um, and she just said, you know, people talk a lot less about other people in therapy than you might think. And um, that was a good enough answer for me. I had never really been to therapy in the traditional sense. And um, frankly, I was relieved that some of my secrets were maybe still safe. <laughs> So we all stuffed ourselves silly and went home, um, but I didn't feel satisfied. I had moved back to Boise, Eagle at this time, to be with my family, and um, I felt like the presence of this woman at Thanksgiving put a damper on all that, even though she was so comfortable to talk to. This wasn't the only time that my mom invited a stranger to a holiday. In fact, it happened quite a lot. Um, and my plan was to, to come here today and tell you all about some of those other times. And then I realized that this story isn't about strangers. A few years ago, my mom told me that something like 80% of couples who lose a child break up. Um, now I know that that's not quite true, that 80 percent's a myth. Um, it's actually more like 20, but that doesn't really matter. Um, I think she was telling me this to try to attempt to convey how gut-wrenching it is to lose a child, but I really didn't need her to tell me this. It was, uh, I could see it, I, I could tell. I felt like when we lost my brother, I lost a piece of my parents, and especially my mom. She was physically here, but mentally, she was somewhere else entirely, like she was living in, um, almost an upside down, this, this alternate version of reality. My parents did end up breaking up for, for a while. Uh, we helped my mom move into this little cottage in the north end of Boise. And while there, we had some really good talks, my mom and I, some really, really honest, difficult conversations. And I felt like for the first time since we lost Kevin, she was actually able to hear me it was like this: the physical distance between uh, my dad and her helped her see how distant she had been all these years. And she seemed to have the same realization that I had had much earlier, which is that even though we all missed Kevin, our living family was still here. And we were still pretty damn good. So my folks got back together um, about six months later. and. Uh, To me, our family felt whole for the first time since we'd lost him. When I thought about the the theme for tonight, a holiday, holidays, not to be remembered, um, I immediately thought of Thanksgiving with the therapist, of course. Uh, And then I thought about last Christmas. And last Christmas, COVID was surging again. Um, My dad had just been diagnosed with prostate cancer a few months earlier and a couple of weeks before Christmas had had surgery, and my mom was in the midst of some other health scares of her own in the in the wake of all the the COVID scheduling delays and such. On paper, it looked like a holiday that I would absolutely want to forget, but it wasn't. Um, my wife and I went over to my parents' house on Christmas Eve, and we basically moved into their basement until New Year's, which was very weird, Um, but it just felt magical. We ate all the cookies. Um, I drank Manhattans and definitely way too much beer. My dad got really into this online wine club and he was just (laughs) drinking that. My mom drank herbal tea with a single capful of Maker's Mark dropped inside. Multiple times, this wasn't like a, oh, maybe I'll take one capful of makers. This was, this was the drink of last year's Christmas. Um, and the most dramatic thing that happened was when my mom mixed together all the M&Ms in one jar. And uh, let me tell you, this was, it wasn't really a jar. It was like a four-gallon base with a lid. And it had peanut butter M&Ms and peanut M&Ms and classic all mixed. Uh, So, there was no way you could find the M&M that you were looking for. (laughs) And clearly, I've moved on. (laughs) Maybe next year, I'm not sure. (laughs) We had Nerf gun fights all across the house with my nephew, which his dad would have loved. We had a family talent show which is exactly as awkward as you were picturing it. (laughs) And on Christmas night, my dad pulled out a ring and got down on one knee in his sweatpants and re-proposed to my mom and asked if they could renew their vows. And that too is just as awkward (laughs) and as beautiful as you are picturing. (laughs) We don't live in the same place anymore, but I feel closer to my family than than I've ever felt. Um, This next Christmas, my wife and I and my sister and brother-in-law will all go to their house and we'll spend a week there. And we will talk about Kevin and we'll talk about grief and we'll talk about those six or seven years when my mom was somewhere else. And we'll talk about all the good things that happened and all the things we're excited for. And we'll be so grateful to be together it's, this Christmas will be our 10th Christmas since my brother passed. And it's getting easier for me to, to, to talk about his death and all of the, the things that have happened since. And that's largely thanks to now going to my own therapist. She's different. She does not come to Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I think that's the way that I her and the state licensing board would like it. (laughs) And now I know that that thing my family's therapist said about people not talking about other people in therapy is complete bullshit.
1: i kind of forgot what's in one of them <laughs> you got the best wrapping paper you guys might not be able to see this but these are cats in cars <laughs> with christmas trees on the top <laughs> oh yeah yeah it is you're gonna get another use out of that oh okay or not It is shaped like Santa's. There are Santa pastas. Nice. Santa pasta. Yes. Grocery outlet on Fairview. Stock up while you can. Surprise your family this year with Santa pasta. I hope that stays in your cupboard for a really long time, Mitch. What comes next? Oh, another Slammer. You guys ready for another Slammer? Yeah. Mitch, I think you might have to sign a release as well. Mary G. What? Woo! Yeah, Mary G. Mary! Oh, you're not. You know, look really tall down there. <laughs>
10: can't see any of you that's maybe good Um, so this was a Christmas that I was supposed to spend in Germany with my family Um, I'll set the stage a little bit I am uh, in college I'm a freshman have moved from my hometown of Rapid City South Dakota to go all the way to University of Minnesota Twin Cities um, Minneapolis and um, So I'm supposed to, somehow I had ended up back in Rapid City or something, and I had a connecting flight to Minneapolis, and my mom had left and gone to Germany to teach overseas for a year, which as a 19-year-old, when your mom says, I'm going to go follow my dream, how freaking cool, right? And so she's in Germany. My dad is in Rapid City. My sister, I don't even know where she was living, but she was about a year, um, she's, two and a half years older than me, three by school. So she was probably finishing up with um, college. And I am traveling like with my little pack. I've got my passport. I think I'm all set and ready to go. And I get to Minneapolis on my connecting flight and I'm in the Minneapolis airport, and I think, well, this is great. I have time to meet up with one of my friends while I have a three-hour layover, a four-hour layover. So I call up my friend, Zach Held. and Zach is fantastic, he's a renaissance man in the sense that he has long hair, he looks like a model, he just is fun. And so he decides he's gonna come and spend like two, three hours with me on my layover. Um, and I didn't move out of the security area or anything, I was like, had him come in and this was at the time when you could still do that. Um, so we're just sitting in the airport and he, you know, wasting time. And it's about, I don't know, 45 minutes before my flight and I get up to go to the check-in, I have no passport, and I have no credit card, and I have no wallet, because it was in the outside poc- pocket of my bag. So I hadn't moved out of a space of probably any bigger than this room, had sat in um, one of the aisles, just talking with my friend Zach, and somewhere in that three-hour span, it had either fallen out of my bag, or somebody had grabbed it out of the outside pocket. Well, I was prepared for this, right? I was like, I'm ready, I no problem. I have copies of my passport, I have copies of my credit card, copies of my birth certificate, copies of my social security card. So I walk up and as I'm realizing that I have nothing to get on this plane, <clears throat> the woman says, these copies aren't gonna cut it. And I think, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's why you have copies, right? That's what people tell you, is I should have copies because if something happens, I can still do what I need to do. Well, no, we can't actually take this for an international flight. Okay. So I have to call my mom, bawling in Germany, to say, I'm not gonna be able to make it. And she turns, re- or you know, so she says, well, just do what you can. If you can make it, you have two weeks, right? Let's try to get you here in a couple of days. So I work to my way back to ticket encounter after ticket encounter, find somebody, and I say, what can I do? They say, well, you can try to take a bus to the embassy in Chicago. And I said, well, how am I supposed to buy a bus ticket? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, we can try to get you... Um, if you could find somebody, maybe your friend could drive you to Chicago. And I said, okay, well, if I make it sh- to Chicago, how long will it take for me to get an expedited passport? Well, they're like, oh, well, probably about 72 hours for you to get a, uh, a ticket or a, an expedited passport to be able to go um, and then get your international flight. And I said, okay, so where do you think I'm supposed to stay in Chicago while I do that? <laughs> I'm 19. I can't rent a car. I don't have an extra credit card. I don't know anybody in Chicago. So, anyway, so I'm talking with my mom. Talking. My dad is supposed to fly into Germany. We're gonna have this picture-perfect German Christmas, right? Like the earlier slam or the earlier storyteller was talking about. The, you know, beer, beautiful snow, decorations, etc. And um, instead, they say, "Well, maybe you can find somebody that you know." here to come pick you up. And thankfully, I, my best friend from uh, growing up, her name was Marcy, uh, she lived in Minneapolis. So I call her up and she's able to come pick me up and drives me to her apartment to try to figure out what the heck I'm gonna do. And she's leaving about a day later with her husband and their kids <clears throat> and um, says, well, the apartment's yours. So for that holiday, um, I, got, I spent uh, three days in a couch <laughs> binge watching Friends episodes. Um, I think I watched every season probably two or three times because I didn't leave that apartment for about three days. And I managed to be able to get a ride from a different family coming through to get back to Rapid City, South Dakota, where I ended up starting all over again and just trying to get a driver's license and make my way back home. Um, Lessons learned. A couch is not a good substitute when you need somebody, but it'll get you through. I still don't remember a single thing from the Friends episodes. Um, I don't know if I just zoned out, but um, that really being with family on a holiday is absolutely everything. So.
1: Mary, you get a present. Um, I don't know, the holiday you had sounds like a lot of holidays I had on the couch with friends. Isn't that a lovely bag? I wonder what's in it. Oh, it's cake in a mug. Oh my God, look at the quote on the front. Do you see it? Oh my God, it's friends. It's a friend's oh! quote. <laughs> what? You're my lobster. Mary, that, that mug of cake is your lobster. Whoa! This is getting freaky. This is getting so weird. I know what's in those next things, and if somebody tells a story about that, I don't. I don't even know what I'm gonna do at that point. I hope we have two more slammers. I know we have at least more. We have we have two more presents. So yeah, let's bring it up. Bring it on up here. First one, Aaron Riley! Yeah! Aaron's tall. This mic ready. Yeah! I'm not that tall. <laughs> there you
11: go. <laughs> I was like, please don't call my name because Everybody's been so great. (laughs) No, I was just thinking though, like, what a great event, right? Like everybody's had grief, but we also have laughter, and it's all like connecting. And this is like the great part of storytelling. And I guess, to tie it all together. is not gonna happen, probably.
6: <laughs> but
11: uh, damn it, I'm gonna try in, what, four minutes now. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, About my family, I'm actually my parents' only child together, I, but I'm the youngest of five. <laughs> Thank you. So Christmases were like, cool, because I was the youngest. And I also, and th- here's the connection parts, right? Like, I also felt like, someday my siblings and I, we're gonna be like tight. We're gonna be so tight and this is not gonna feel awkward. And uh, I don't know what two Christmases are like, um, but our Christmases are pretty awesome for me as the youngest who did not have to travel anywhere. But uh, to go back, my family has these stories, right? Like my parents first Christmas together, they uh, were trying to cook a turkey and then like punctured the very flimsy tin container and smoked out the house. And this was like the first time they had my, my mother's parents over. Just to let you know, they are very critical. So I know the level of anxiety that was probably happening at that time, but now we laugh about it, ha <laughs> trauma. <laughs> right? Um, but like thinking back about my childhood and my Christmases uh, always got sick because I would always go balls to the wall until break and then <laughs> on the couch with the flu. And then, I'm thinking about Christmas times of like, I love to push my father's buttons so much. Like that is the greatest joy of my life is to make him turn red. It's either like talking about um, porn with my mother and about the expectations where my father just sits there quietly, right? Or, it's to goat him, not greatest of all time, um, but just to goat him <laughs> into the fact that now we talk about the fuck you heard around Christmas time, because I just couldn't help myself that he just turned around and was like, fuck you. <laughs> and now we laugh about it and it's, it's funny. Um, but there was also times, here we go, connection. My niece passed away at a very young age. And those times, I don't even remember. And holidays sucked. Anywho. <laughs> but I moved away. I, I moved away for about 11 years. I grew up here and I came back. Nine years ago, I moved. Because I wanted to be closer to my family. And. Honestly, holidays had really, really sucked. And just in these past two years, thank God COVID happened. Because then we started to really connect again. Um, also, when I say like connect with my parents, it's actually me and my parents all the time. I don't even talk to my siblings anymore. Uh, but we have a great time. We also have the best uh, Christmas traditions. like. I spend the night over Christmas Eve, then they get me a stocking, and then we open our stockings, and then we we have breakfast, and then we have presents. Does anybody else have these traditions? Right, when I was married, because I totally glossed over that a while ago, my in-laws sucked. I wanted to open presents so badly on Christmas Eve, that is actually the joke is that I'd always ask, like the tradition was that I was gonna ask and then the, my parents were gonna say no. Then I got that with my in-laws, stupid. Cause then what do you do, right? <laughs> Nothing. But these are just kind of the, the, the things that tie us together. And I guess, This is why I really wish you hadn't picked my name because I am now going on a rant. (laughs) Yeah, okay, good, yeah. So (laughs) this is all just to say that it's wonderful. Thank you so much for spending the the holiday season. This is just making it so much more, so much more connected when we felt so disconnected. So thank you all so much. Thank you, Beth. Thank you to all the storytellers.
1: I bet on Christmas morning, you didn't have to sign a waiver, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, and you can reuse that bag too. Mm-hmm. Spam would have been good. Yeah. Ooh, it's Jell-O play. Everything you need to make your own dirt cup. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas. I can relate to you about the presents on Christmas Eve thing, Erin, because my foster parents, I lived with a foster family that did presents on Christmas Eve, and I was always like, this isn't right. This is, something's not right about this. I am not acclimating to this well. I agree. Um, Okay, one more slammer tonight, you guys. You guys have been a wonderful audience. Thank you so much for being here and supporting the show. You never know what you're gonna get with these slammers. I got it already, Thane. I already took it. Yeah, thank you though. <laughs> oh, we might as well thank Thane while he's here. Very important. Oh, and a little light. And while we're at it, we might as well also thank our volunteer coordinator, Natalia DeJozia. Give her a round, round of applause. Thank you. Thanks for coordinating Thane. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, cool, knocking them out. We're ahead of schedule, Blake. We're gonna be done by 10, absolutely. I already got some thank yous out of the way. All right, please join me in welcoming to the stage our last slammer of the evening and of late night 2022,
12: Chris Q. Okay, great. Two beers, and I think I'm a storyteller. <laughs> and the only reason I did this is because I really wanted a present from bargain market, grocery outlet, bargain market. <laughs> right? Ah, um. So we grew up in Eastern Oregon and my uh, dad always wanted to go to the mountains to get our Christmas tree. Uh, it was, you know, like $2 for a permit. And so when Christmas we all, like six of us, in the cab of a Chevy pickup. GMC. GMC, thank you. <laughs> my brother is going to hold me to the facts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, yes, winter Christmas. And uh, so we, we like get in the truck and we have to drive, you know, because you gotta get out of the town. And uh, so we go off on this forest service road and um, of course the first thing we do because it's like so much snow is get stuck. and. Um, my dad had the patience level on a scale of 1 to 10, about a minus 2. So uh, we, but fortunately, he always had a backup. And so even though we got stuck, he had the shovel. And, you know, we, we got ourselves unstuck. And we went down the Forest Service Road a little bit further because we couldn't find the tree that we wanted. It had to be perfect. And we got stuck again. And we had to get ourselves unstuck. And finally, you know, tromping around, I mean, it was deep snow, we finally find the perfect tree. So my dad goes into the back of the truck, and he gets a chainsaw. And I don't know if any of you have had a chainsaw, but oh my God, it is one of the most frustrating pieces of two-cycle engines that you can imagine. And so he's like, you know, (laughs) grumble, for like 10 minutes and it is not starting but again my dad has a backup he's got the axe we go we chop down the tree get the perfect tree we put it in the back of the truck we try to get ourselves out of the forest service road and I mean it's it is a bear but we, we get like halfway down and we find somebody else who has gotten stuck. And on those roads, you know, that is like really hard to get around. If someone's here and someone's here, but uh, my dad has a good heart. And so we stop and we like get, we pull him out. But in doing so, we get stuck. So then we, you know, get ourselves unstuck and help to pull it. You know, it's a back and forth, people getting stuck. Finally, everybody's unstuck. We're on the way. We're like cold and wet, and it's getting dark. We finally get ourselves out onto the highway, and we're picking up speed, and we're like 55 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, we hear my dad go, as the tree flies out of the back of the truck and gets run over by the semi-following. And my dad did not say a word. And we drove straight to Safeway. <laughs> And bought our $60 Christmas tree. And that was the last time we went to the woods to get a Christmas tree.
1: I am so glad you got you got this present, Chris. I am so glad this is meant to be. I think you're going to like it. boots like you would wear in the snow. So, crazy. They're also salt and pepper shakers. Thank you, Chris. And don't forget to sign our waiver. <laughs> and there's still plenty of posters. <laughs> Nobody wants the posters. We'll si- I'll sign, I'll sign them all. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for throwing that away for me later. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. (laughs) Uh, Okay, you guys, that's our show. Wow. Wow. And that's our season of Late Night. Um, Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Um... If you want to relive tonight, or if you want to share this episode, maybe with somebody that you know, um, we have our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, um, and we also have a radio show called Stray Theater on Radio Boise, which I think plays on Sunday nights. Um, So you can check us out there. We pick certain stories and we play them over there. Um, If you'd like to check out photos from tonight, uh, you can go to Facebook or Instagram. Big round of applause for our photographer, Christina Birkenbein, thank you. To check out our shots there. As I mentioned, we have a donor that's matching everything up to $5,000, and that funding will help us uh, continue late night next year. So if you're doing an end-of-year donation, think about Story Story Night. That would be awesome. Um, our next show is part of our flagship season, Making Sense of It All. It's going to be Sight, and that'll be two weeks from today on Tuesday, December 27th. So you can check us out. We'll be at Jump. Yeah. Woo! Awesome, Um, cool. Um, Story Story Night is supported by the National Endowment for the Arts, the Idaho State Legislature, and the Idaho Arts Commission. Yep, they don't know about this, but. (laughs) Don't tell them. (laughs) The The season's coming up. Big thanks to our crew, our technical director and podcast engineer, Stephen Baldassari. Thank you. He's not here. You don't have to clap for him. It's fine. I already said thanks to our volunteers and to Natalia. Thank you to Blake, our sound engineer. And thank you to Chaz, our light engineer. If that, I don't know if that's the word for it, but... <laughs> Big thank you to the VAC for hosting Late Night um, for these last three nights. Thank you so much to the VAC. And then one more time for your band tonight, the Grand G's. All right. Happy holidays.
0: Thank you for listening. Story Story Night is funded in part by the Idaho Commission on the Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our media sponsor, Radio Boise. Our theme song was composed by Ned Evitt. Podcast production is by Stephen Baldessari. Please rate and review this podcast to help other story lovers find us. Thanks to host Beth Norton and musical guests, The Grand Jeans. Support this podcast by texting STORYPOD to 44321. Find out how to participate in our live show at www.storystorynight.org or visit us on Facebook. I'm Jody Eichelberger. Thanks for being a part of our story.